Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Welcome back to another episode of the AirPod from wherever you're joining us on this wintry day. Maybe sunny where you are, if you're lucky. Um, it's been another very busy week for the Royal Family. Uh, a host of different stories to go through this week. I'm going to be joined shortly by Victoria Arbiter, Royal Expert and Commentator, to run through some of those stories. Of course, Prince William has just returned from his travels to Kuwait and Amman. Uh, he kicked off his trip at a nature reserve and uh, learned more about uh, Kuwait's environmental public authorities um, and about the work being done in the area. It was a really interesting trip because it covered so many themes in such a short amount of time. We saw William with uh, youth education programs, meeting local youth in a traditional Kuwaiti town, and then, of course, spending time with the military uh, at the Exercise Desert Warrior, where UK troops are training alongside Kuwaiti forces. I think we're quite used to seeing William on his own on these trips now in this very statesman-like role. And really coming into sort of, it's, I, I would say this is almost William 2.0 uh, that we're seeing now, very much ready to step up uh, as his father one day ascends the throne. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's been quiet for the other members of the royal family. Uh, shortly we'll be talking about Duchess Kate's new patronages. And uh, we'll also be looking at what the Sussexes are doing during their time off, because social media has still been very busy. And of course, it was the NATO summit reception at Buckingham Palace, where Donald Trump uh, wasn't the star of the show for once. Princess Anne was. And so we'll be talking a bit more about that viral moment uh, when I'm joined by Victoria. And, of course, rounding out the show, we can't not talk about Prince Andrew, who has been in the news again this week. Uh, I'm going to focus on, really, the patronages that uh, are moving away from him and what happens to those afterwards, because, of course, these are very important organisations doing great work, and uh, they are the losers in this situation. But before we get to that, I'm joined by Victoria Arbiter from New York, uh, where here it's a lot colder than it is here. Victoria, thank you so much for coming back to the show, back by popular request. It's Arctic. I mean, you expect <laughs> it, right, with Christmas coming up, but I don't do very well with this weather. just want to stay home and hibernate. <laughs> I'm a little jealous. New York City at this time of year is beautiful. It is. I, they definitely do Christmas in a big way. And it's gorgeous just walking because, of course, it's such a, a, a pedestrian city. So everywhere you look is just twinkling with fairy lights and Christmas decorations. It's beautiful. I love it. Well, it hasn't been a quiet week for the royal family. I always <laughs> no. think that that week will come. I always have a slight panic at the start of the week that, oh my God, there's going to be nothing to talk about. Right. Uh, but of course, uh, that never happens, as we know. No, and this one's been a particularly big week across the board, actually. It has. It's, and it's been a really varied week. I think we've seen every member of the royal family sort of stepping out and doing their own thing. I've just been talking about William returning from his trip to Kuwait and Amman. And of course, it's been a big week for the Duchess of Cambridge, who, of course, uh, took on her first patch, big patronage in quite a few months. I think the last was the Royal Photographic Society. But this week it was announced that she became the Royal Patron of Family Action, uh, which has, of course, been passed down to her by the Queen. A big one for her. 
Yes, a big one, but so in keeping with what her main platform has been. I think it's quite interesting when we look at the younger generation of royals because for decades, the older members of the royal family had upwards of 500, 600, 700 patronages. But Mm. what we're seeing with this younger generation is a much more concentrated, focused effort. And you really understand what they're interested in. So, of course, this feeds into Kate's uh, very hands-on work with vulnerable families, disadvantaged children, and she's made a big point of of fighting for children to have a good early start in life because there's so much evidence that supports a good early start being Mm. beneficial to the future. So um, a nice addition, I think, with this one. Definitely. And as you say, this has kind of continued really what's been almost an eight-year focus for her now. We've seen this kind of continued theme of community support, family support, child support, and not just recognising the work that families are doing, but also carers and people in different sectors as well. Family Action, long-established uh, charity, it been uh, founded in 1869, Queen wasn't the first royal patron. Queen Mary was the royal patron before that. So it's been nice to see this one being passed down from generation to generation. Definitely. It's a good continuum, isn't it? And and this uh, this uh, event this week wasn't Kate's first uh, engagement on behalf of, of the charity. I, I think what's really unique with this one in particular is they're trying to branch out in as many different ways to help as many families as possible. And so I think it was January that she was there when they launched the family line, which is using volunteers mm. across the country country to help people through texts and emails and and over the phone which that's kind of new you never thought you could really text a charity before for help but you can now exactly but yeah as you mentioned they they do a lot in all different areas they tackle difficult issues uh, that families face including financial hardship emotional well-being socialized isolation and then of course more serious things like uh, domestic abuse substance misuse and so it kate as we know has had private meetings with the charity beforehand this is something that we're really seeing happen quite a lot with the younger members of the royal family because they are taking on less patronages so they have more time to spend with each charity it's not just cutting a ribbon here and there it's actually a lot more on the ground and hands-on definitely and i think that focus is really benefiting um the charities in terms of public awareness because when were we ever talking about mental health as we are today? And mm. you can look at each. I mean, we keep talking about William, Kate, Harry, Meghan as sort of this generation, but I think that's the future, isn't it, with, with Charles's vision of a slimmed-down monarchy? But you can look at each one of those royals and you know exactly what they're interested in and they're able to use their platform to really highlight the causes that drive them, that make them want to raise awareness, raise money and really get stuck in. But I think it's interesting too, uh, as you mentioned, Omid, it's no longer just unveiling a plaque or cutting a ribbon. It was several years ago, William slept out on the streets with the homeless to highlight yeah. the work of Centrepoint. Harry trekking to the pole with wounded veterans. Meghan getting hands-on with the Grenfell Tower cookbook. Uh, she was in the kitchens. She wasn't just there writing a forward. So we're really seeing, again, with Kate and her, her Chelsea Flower Show garden, she really had an active role in that, in designing that and being hands-on with it. So I think, I think it's quite nice for the royals too, because they're able to then just really get embedded and get to know the people they're working with and who they're helping. Mm. For me, I think this has been a really exciting year to watch the Duchess of Cambridge at work. I've seen a comp, and I think this goes for anyone that's covering the royals, I've seen such a confidence growth in her 
when it comes to working by herself, when it comes to public speaking. We know she's always been very comfortable around children and some of the kind of more light engagements. But I think this year, she's not been afraid to really get involved in the things that matter to her most. Because I will admit, earlier on, I didn't quite know what it was that she really wanted to hone in on. And I think she has a clear goal in sight now. and We're really seeing her going for it. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. In fact, just this week when she was picking out Christmas trees with the little ones, I I think that confidence is really shining through. We're seeing her sense of humour more now, her sense of fun. She's really engaged with the children. And I think that confidence obviously just comes with with practice, with doing Mm. doing the role over and over. But you're right. I think we've all got a much better understanding of what is early years development and what is the focus here. And she's also had a heavy focus on maternal mental health maternal well-being there's so much correlation between healthy parents and the future of of a child Um, and so I think yes it's been a slow and steady progress but we're getting it and the message is getting out there absolutely I was talking to Kensington Palisades recently just about what was on the horizon for Kate and they said that really that kind of first and second quarter of 2020 is going to be a real serious focus on the early years development uh, projects that she's been involved in we're really going to see her actively involved in several engagements very busy with that and I think it's great because of course she is a mum she has three kids she has a very busy place as it is but I think to see her taking on even more it's it's I think needed at this at this time because you know as the queen steps back from her duties we are seeing the younger royals having to step forward and really I guess put in a lot more work. Yes, and she's been quite fortunate that she had her children when she did because she's really been able to have that hands-on time with them at home. But yes, the schedule needs to start building now as as she offers her support to the Queen as well. Um, so I think 2020 is going to get a lot busier for all of them. Um, mm. as, as we see, of course, with Prince Andrew out of the mix now, people are talking about how Prince Anne is going to have to step up and support her mother so much more. So we've just lost one member of the royal family yeah. technically and already the workload increases for everyone else. So I think 2020 is going to be a big year of adjustment and change and adapting to the Queen being older. Um, She's not going anywhere, uh, certainly touch wood, hopefully. (laughs) Um, But I think, uh, yes, everyone sort of needs to to start, I suppose, um, just raising the game a little bit. Yes, exactly. I think we've really seen over the last few years uh, a lot of patronage is handed down to some of the younger members of the royal family. I think, as you say, that will continue. But I'm very curious with Prince Andrew. Of course, I did a tally this morning to figure out how many patronages have actually let him go Mm -hmm. since uh, news or the scandal broke more recently. And it's now 44 of 135 quite a lot and that puts many back into the pot because of course the queen's also stepping back from a loss of her patronages as well as has prince philip so you wonder what will happen to this plate of you know charitable organizations that need a royal patron there's only certain members of the royal family available to help with that that's right it's tricky isn't it as we start to look forward because i think those patronages that have dropped prince andrew potentially are going to be further collateral damage. I don't think there's going to be a rush to pick those up. And that's nothing against those charities. But Prince Andrew is not a priority for the rest of the family at the moment. I think they're all sort of trying to distance themselves a little bit in in terms of making sure the monarchy is is okay. Um, but as you mentioned, with the Queen stepping back, she's handing down 
several of her patronages. We saw in 2017, I think she gave out about 25 of her patronages. But it becomes really tricky because over the course of her reign, she's uh, repped or, uh, almost 800, upwards of 800 mm. organizations. Prince Philip was around 500. So what happens to all of these? Because they're not all going to be able to pass down, especially we've just been talking about the younger generation wants a much smaller pot so that they can offer more focus. So I think a lot of charities over the next few years stand to lose their royal patron. And as a result, they're going to take a major hit because in this current climate where everyone's watching their pennies, having a royal patron kind of guarantees a certain amount of money. If you know Prince William's going to be at an event, you can sell tickets for a whole lot more than you could without a major member of the royal family. So exactly. it's going and, to be difficult. And with some of these smaller organisations, you know, a lot of them don't have marketing budgets. So you have a royal right, patron, it's right. immediate exposure. One could argue that it's actually a lot more effective to have a patron who is involved, who is actually able to, you know, later in the show, I'm going to be talking with the Mayhew about their one year as having Megan as a patron. And I know that she's spent a lot of time with them in meetings and kind of catching up and a lot of correspondence back and forth. And we haven't had much of that in the past with royal patronages. And so I think that one could argue that's more effective. But then, as you say, there is a lot of collateral damage if that is the way that we move forward. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It is because the thing is, if Meghan, Kate, William, Harry generally show up to one of their engagements, they're usually going to be on the front page of the paper, even if it's a small banner at mm. the top. And then suddenly everybody knows the name of that charity. It, it puts it in people's psyche. Um, but if you start losing those royal patronages, I think a lot of charities, uh, unfortunately, will start to crumble because it's very difficult to raise money. Um, there is so many, even in this day and age, with everyone doing their marathons and triathlons and rowing across the Atlantic, and every five minutes I'm getting a GoFundMe request for <laughs> someone that's doing something yeah. amazing and you want to be able to support all your Absolutely. friends. But it, it becomes very difficult when you're spread so thin. Exactly. And I think as a society, we're probably a little bit more humanitarian focused. I think people yes. are aware yeah. of the bigger picture. Perhaps, you know, there's a lot that can be said about the millennial generation and how everyone is so self-obsessed. But I also think that everyone is actually a lot more engaged in sort of conversation about charity and sort of doing something for the greater good. Oh, and they're so much more aware, aren't they, Omid? I mean, look at what's happening with the climate change through Greta. Um, I just feel like this younger generation, they get criticised all the time for being so self-obsessed and wanting instant gratification. And every older generation is going to criticise the younger. But I do think with the millennials, we have a very very aware generation. Um, they know what's happening in the world around them. They know the key issues uh, that we can talk about gender fluid and transgender. And these kids are so accepting of it all where an older generation is sort of rubbing their heads and don't quite know what to make of all of it. So mm. it's actually, it gives me a lot of comfort when you think about the future, given their awareness. Exactly. And I think hence why probably the likes of Harry and Meghan enjoy interacting with younger audiences mm -hmm. and aiming their initiatives towards younger generations too, because they are more receptive. And so those results are tangible, they're quick, and they kind of get inspired by that and makes them want to do more. And they've been smart in their approach, haven't they? Because um, where I suppose 
normally social media wouldn't be something that the royals would necessarily engage in on a personal level. Harry and Meghan, they're not they're not doing it, but they're not saying I had cornflakes for breakfast, but they are using it to access that younger generation because they know that's how they get their information. Mm. And I think they've been very clever. I've liked this um, each, the beginning of each month, they've highlighted a certain cause. I think that's been a very smart use of, of Instagram. Um, and it, it does, it just, it just keeps honing in on the message yeah i was curious to know how they would handle their social media whilst they're technically sort of off duty at Mm -hmm. the moment because i'm sure the temptation is there to keep it going but then at the same time you can't say you're not working when you are but it's been interesting to see that they're actually using this month to almost sort of post throwbacks to key moments throughout the year Uh, megan posted something about uh, the grenfell community kitchen and the work that she'd been doing there. So I think that this is now that time, a moment of reflection. And it's working well. I mean, their engagement is still incredibly high. I think they yeah. just hit 10 million Gosh, on Instagram. Gosh, that's amazing, isn't it? Well, and it just reinforces the positive work they've done. I think this is what Megan does, actually. When things get really negative, she tries to turn things around and put it back on the positive. Mm. Um, it's not always going to be re- well received because, of course, we know we live in such a negative, critical society these days. Um, but if you keep... You keep doing it, keep reinforcing the positive message and reminding people of the positive work that's been done. Hopefully at some stage that sticks. Yes, unless you're Prince Andrew, I can't <laughs> say the same. Nice uh, segue, this, you're right, Omid, yes. This has been a week where, again, the story has not disappeared. We saw uh, one of uh, Epstein's accusers, Virginia Roberts speak out on uh, BBC's Panorama. They aired a one-hour documentary at the start of the week where she discussed her uh, alleged encounter with Prince Andrew. Of course, he denies all allegations. Um, But it's a story that hasn't disappeared. Of course, we just mentioned earlier how the patronages continue to drop day by day. I mean, today alone, I had four different emails, the Falkland Islands Memorial Chapel Trust, Royal Navy and Royal Marines Children's Fund, Marine Society and Sea Cadets, Badminton England. I mean, this is everything that was once important to him. Those four dropped today? Yeah. <gasps> I mean, when you look at the Falklands, because Andrew, of course, was, had an active role and, and was very well respected for his mm. role in the Fal- Falkland Island conflicts, it's got, a, it's got a sting. But again, you say this is all of his own doing. Now, I think we do have to be clear that he's not been investigated, charged or convicted of any crime. Um, but just his attitude has, I think, made his grace fall from grace sort of uh, be that much quicker I suppose it's accelerated everything Um, but you're right these are the things that have really mattered to him before so he's hoping he's he's learning a little humility at the moment yes possibly from his brother Prince Charles the Telegraph reported at the start of the week that uh, Andrew and Charles met in Sandringham uh, for a light lunch it said uh, where Charles gave him (laughs) strong words throw it at each other (laughs) No. And uh, yes, sources confirmed to ABC News that the encounter did happen. They said it was a civilised meeting. But of course, yes, this is a family that not only is uh, family, but also they work together. And Charles is almost the boss. (laughs) And he's the one that's going to have to pick up the mess, really, because we know legal wranglings, they can take years. So while we don't want to assume the Queen's going to be leaving us anytime soon, here's hoping she doesn't. This is going to be something that Charles is going 
going to have to oversee. And he is responsible for what the future of the monarchy looks like. And I think he had to assert control and rein things in right now. I mean, of course, they are all very civilized. I don't think the royals go in for screaming matches and throwing plates at at each other. But um, it was important that Charles, I think, take a stand and let Andrew know exactly how things are going to progress moving forward. It must be quite difficult at 59 to have your older brother putting you in your place, but that's how the monarchy works. Mm, mm. You know, as you mentioned earlier in the show, Prince Andrew, with him stepping back, we'll probably be seeing a lot more of Princess Anne over the next year. Of course, Prince Charles sort of gave us a slight preview of what a slimlined, streamlined monarchy might look Mm -hmm. like at this week's NATO summit. Uh, But of course, one royal family member proved why it's nice to have the whole family around. (laughs) (laughs) I love that uh, Princess Anne became something of an internet sensation this week as a result of the NATO summit. Of course, it was because everyone got the complete wrong end of the straw. Um, The internet can be... uh, very entertaining in moments like that. But of course, the wrong story can spiral out of control very, very quickly. And of course, that's what happened with Princess Anne. But I think even she might be mildly amused to have seen her social media standing. Absolutely. I think uh, Princess Anne has probably had a lot more public interest uh, recently, of course, with her portrayal on season three of The Crown. I think Mm -hmm. she's probably one of the more relatable characters on the show. We've kind of seen her you know, sassy aside uh, behind closed doors, which of course, which she is famous for, but we don't really get to see that uh, in the real world, in the working space. So I think this is now a time where we may be getting to know a little bit more about who Princess Anne is, because while she is one of the hardest working members of the royal family, I would say that in terms of the public uh, perception of her, people know very little. Yes, it's true. And I loved, I sort of saw on social media, people just really, really getting excited by her and I think that has largely stemmed from the crown as well people suddenly understanding who is this woman that's always there because of course Princess Anne she's always by her mother's side supporting her at these big types of receptions she's probably done thousands of these receptions in her time she knows Mm. the drill better than anyone else but there are the little known facts like the attempted kidnapping in 1974 she really showed her mettle during that and there's actually if, if people have time there's an incredibly funny clip of her talking to Michael Parkinson about that night and you see her sense of humour and her wit and she talks about being unscrupulously polite to the kidnapper because it felt silly not to be polite in that situation. Um, She's great and of course her competing in the Olympics. She was the first royal uh, member of the royal family to compete in the Olympics. Mm. She suffered a bad fall in one of the in the three-day eventing and uh, but she got back on back on the horse even with a concussion and and completed and that's who Anne is. She, She doesn't suffer fools. She doesn't like fuss and nonsense she gets on with the job at hand and I think people respect her as a result absolutely well I think it was her sense of humor that was slightly misinterpreted at the NATO reception this week of course there was this video uh, that showed Princess Anne sort of shrugging at the Queen uh, a gesture that was widely misinterpreted um, but of course uh, actually meant something else altogether it did yes well of course when you put Donald Trump in the frame 
everything is going to spiral out of control. <laughs> the same thing happened when he arrived at Windsor Castle in 2018 for his working visit. Everyone determined he was late and that he had committed a major faux pas because he didn't bow towards the Queen. Well, of course, we know foreign heads of state aren't required to bow to the Queen. And no, he wasn't late. Uh, royal timing yep. is of militaristic precision. But the same thing happened. It spiraled out of control. So what we had at the NATO reception on Tuesday was the Queen looking back towards Anne to see if any more guests were coming uh, along the receiving line. Um, it turns out the Trumps were the last. And so Anne actually shrugged her shoulders and says, no, it's just me and this lot pointing to the household staff behind her. And, and the Queen and Anne share a great relationship. They're very close. They've both got a great sense of humour. I think there was just sort of a bit of a chuckle. But you see Donald Trump in the frame. You see the Queen gesturing to Anne and Anne shrugging. And straight away it became Anne publicly scolded by her mother. <laughs> Anne snubs the Queen. Yes. And of course, in this digital age, that was beamed around the world in a nanosecond and people didn't want the truth. They they preferred the snubbing story. It was much more entertaining. Yeah, I was quite. I think it's the first time I've ever seen Princess Anne's name trending on Twitter. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I quite enjoyed it. Though. Well, you worry at first. You see it and you think, oh, God, what's happened? Um, you know, what could mm. has she died? Um, but no, it, it ended up being that she uh, she was just being celebrated. <laughs> it was one of two very uh, sort of viral moments that evening. We, of course, had Justin Trudeau's very gossipy conversation yes. with several other world leaders about President Donald Trump uh, that was caused on camera by ABC News's very own Andy Lawrence. Uh, who Ooh, was, what a scoop. Yes. Uh, and of course, <laughs> went around the world, watched by absolutely millions. The clip was brilliant. It was, who was it? it was We had uh, Emmanuel Macron, Trudeau, the Dutch Prime Minister, our own Boris, Boris Johnson, yes. uh, just having a natter about Trump, which of course, were, of course yeah. he would. I mean, it was a cocktail reception. That's what you do at these things. <laughs> Well, and I think he had just been the topic of the day because everything had run late. Of course, in this instance, he was late to meet Charles and Camilla um, for their tea at Clarence House just because of the knock-on effect of running late on press conferences. He's just an easy topic, isn't he? But of course, Princess Anne being, her hairstyle was recognised, that infamous <laughs> hairstyle. So she was in there as well. Yes. But I think we do sort of have to point out, because uh, she was criticised for joining in with the lads, uh, but I think Princess Anne's always been one of the lads. But she will have maintained a dignified presence and knows the drill. She wouldn't do anything ever to embarrass her mother. She's not about to engage in political gossip. She may have sort of chuckled along because uh, how could you not yeah. when the, the boys are sort of going at it? But I don't think I don't think Princess Anne will have taken part, shall we say, in the presidential bashing. No, exactly. Always a pleasure, Victoria. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. Coming up after the break, I'll be catching up with the Mayhew Animal Charity here in London. Of course, it's coming up to one year since Duchess Meghan signed on as a royal patron for the charity. There's been work going on behind the scenes. I want to hear a lot more about that, so I'll see you shortly. Earlier in the show, I mentioned that we'd be catching up with the Mayhew Charity here in London. Uh, it's close to a year since since uh, Duchess Meghan was announced as a patron of the animal charity. And I'm joined by CEO Caroline Yates just to have a little catch up and a look back at the year. So thank you for joining me, Caroline. Thank you, my pleasure. <laughs> it's, of course, been a really busy year for you guys. Uh, we started the year with the announcement that Meghan was a patron, a royal patron of the Mayhew. And so much yeah. has happened since then. But I wanted to go back to January, even before January, to when you sort of first found out that Meghan was interested in getting involved with the charity. No, well, I mean, it is about almost a year ago. Uh, we'd had a couple of private visits at the end of 2018. And um, it was uh, December last year that... Um, 
that she came and, uh, you know, told us then that uh, she had chosen us as one of her four patronages, uh, which, you know, absolutely blew us away. And we were, you know, thrilled to get that news um, and, you know, to be told that it would be announced officially in, in January of 2019. Um, so yes, I mean it was a fantastic sort of end of the year Christmas present boost uh, <laughs> charity. So uh, we were all really, really excited. When yeah. uh, the Duchess first made her private visits to the charity, mm-hmm. did you have any idea that perhaps she was scouting out potential patronages, <laughs> or was this just perhaps something you thought she was just showing an interest? No, I mean obviously uh, no, we, we didn't um, speculate that we would be one of her patronages at all. I mean um, we, underst- we understand and we know you know, she's got rescue dogs herself and she's been interested in animal welfare um, you know, before before she met Harry and ongoing since having met the Duke and that and you know bringing one of her dogs over here so we knew that she was interested and she was a dog lover and she was genuinely interested in animal welfare so I think she was just we assumed that you know she was just interested in what was going on in London and uh, you know finding out what was available for her to help with generally when she's been to the Mayhew she's very you know she wanted to get in with the dogs she wanted to meet with them go in the kennels it was really lovely to see you know she wasn't afraid of you know getting down and hugging and and playing with the dogs so that was that was you know we were really pleasantly surprised about that and it was so nice to see somebody so naturally communing with the animals and with the staff and the volunteers in the home. And then what kind of impacts or immediate impact did the announcement of the patronage have for you guys? Of course, you know, for people listening, a lot of our listeners are in the US. You're a small, somewhat small animal charity uh, with presence all around the world, but the focus really started in London. So, and the growth has Mm -hmm. been quite recent. So uh, how quickly sort of did you notice the change after having a royal patron? Well, I mean, certainly after the official announcement, uh, the day of the official announcement in January was like haywire. (laughs) You know, we had a lot of television crews and I think ABC as well. And I was interviewed and then we were on various television programs and our social media went, you know, over the off the scale and that so and also it was a lot of we did have a lot of um traffic from the u.s and it's really put our name on the map in the u.s and that has you know that has been constant we uh, megan's followers are very loyal to her um you know so we have a lot of interaction with them all throughout this year on on social media you know all charities are very keen to to be on the ball with that because obviously that's the future and uh, this was a real boost and you know our the number of people following us on all the various social media channels just you know grew exponentially and that's been absolutely fantastic for raising the profile of the charity and for for us to be able to put our message across about the way we approach animal welfare and for those that don't know, can you just sort of give us an overview of what the Mayhew does? As you mentioned, the Mayhew's, a, a, you know, it's a relatively old organisation. We've been going in some form for more than 130 years. Mm. But it's really been over the last 15, 20 years that we have developed what we feel is a, is a, a, an impactful approach to dealing with animal welfare. Yes, we're all animal lovers and everybody who works here and volunteers and studies here does so initially because of the love of wanting to help animals but we've learned through all our work that you know you have to be very much a people person and obviously you have to 
you have to help people to help them look after their animals or you have to sort of um, address um, ne neglect and welfare concerns with people so that they are treating their animals better. So we're very much a sort of community-based organisation, more than just a rescue and rehoming shelter. Yes, we do have dogs and cats for rehoming and that will continue because I think it's a little bit of a pipe dream that mm. there will be zero unwanted dogs and cats, sadly. Yeah. But um, what we do is truly preventative. So we we try and work with people, whether it's to re-educate them or help them look after their animals properly, or we provide support for those vulnerable owners that are struggling to look after their pets. And that in itself means that the animal, the dog or the cat and the owner can stay together and benefit from that human-animal bond and it prevents the dogs and cats having to come into a shelter environment, which long term is not really good animal welfare. Absolutely. It's so important. And, you know, I, I think a lot of we, we often talk about royal patronages here on the show. Mm -hmm. But I think for a lot of listeners, uh, they, know, they know that that means that the, the charity then has a, almost like an ambassador in, in the in, in the form of a member of the royal family. But what, what does it actually mean in terms of what? what happens behind the scenes? I mean, obviously, there's an announcement made, there's an initial visit, and then what happens after that? Well, obviously, this year, after the official announcement, obviously, the Duchess was already expecting her baby. So we knew that, you know, through the period of, of, of maternity leave and having Archie and, and, and that, uh, you know, it would be relatively low key. But that's not to say that she has kept in very much in touch. We have regular uh, meetings. We've had regular meetings with her and her team. She always wants to keep involved. She gets all our correspondence. She's up to date on where our projects are. She's very keen to see how she can get involved uh, more with our projects once she's back. You know, once she's back from maternity leave and over this um, Christmas and New Year period. And um, you know, obviously, we get more traction as well because having the Duchess as our patron and our profile has risen, so we get a lot more interest from from the general public both here and in, in the usa and also we also get a lot more demand on our services <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, so i mean which is you know we're here to help so you know we're not we're not going to complain about that and, we, and uh, but obviously the way that um, the duchess has supported us means that we are more accessible to people who and animals who are in need of help that's what we're here to do and that's what the the patronage has enabled us to do yes it's helped with raising our profile and yes ultimately it will help as we go along with um you know potential fundraising uh methods but i think it's very important that why we think the duchess chose us and um, you know, well what she told us why she why she chose us is her you know, her very empathetic personality and she's very much, you know, uh, very supportive of, of people. She very much understands the emotional bond between animals and people and that's what the Mayhew's all about and that's how she's helping us forge that approach in in the wider community. You mentioned fundraising. I think earlier this year mm -hmm. a, a lot of the fans <clears throat> of Harry and Meghan were raising money uh, yes. for a number of different charities and um, one of those were was the Mayhew were you surprised yeah. by that that reaction online well it was the baby shower yeah it was the baby shower and that and that had started off in the US we we were um very pleasantly taken by surprise <laughs> by it <laughs> um and that was absolutely wonderful you know with it because obviously the, it's much more of an American tradition I think the baby shower yeah. um and it was 
you know, it was a massive outpouring of generosity and we were absolutely thrilled. And as I say, you know, those people, her supporters and her followers in the in in the US have been very much a you know staple now of following us on social media and, and reposting and, and sharing our message. So not only not only the the fundraising and the money, which is obviously very welcome uh, for the, our charity, but also, you know, it, it's spreading the message and that's equally as important. But obviously, we're about to enter the new year. Um, mm-hmm. We know that sort of Megan's going to be catching up with a lot of her patronages and we'll be seeing new yeah. things. Are you able to share anything about some of the plans that you have with the Duchess for 2020? Well, we're just in discussion mode at the moment with them. So, um, you know, once we're back into the new year, we'll be, you know, finalizing some plans but uh, can't say anything at the moment. I noticed that you had recently joined forces with the homeless charity Crisis who of course uh, Prince William is yes. a patron of. Um, yes. That of course yes. is so important for this time of year because homelessness is obviously it's apparent in the city mm-hmm. all year round mm-hmm. but winter is a particularly difficult oh, time. Yes we work with several homeless organizations uh, but we, 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 we've been working with Crisis for about um, 12 years now and um, initially it started off that when they have their Christmas, they open up their Christmas centre for the homeless in London, where where the people can have access to all manner of services. And at that time, they open up a what they call a dog creche, mm. um, because unfortunately still a lot of uh, homeless hostels or dropping centres do not let in dogs. And you will find that you know, homeless people who have dogs and the dogs are their only support and they won't go anywhere without them. They Mm. will not take advantage of the help that's out there. So um, Crisis do it once a year. We are working with other organisations to get them to be more dog friendly and accessible for the homeless people. Um, And so our relationship with Crisis has grown from just helping out at the Christmas dog crash to more ongoing throughout the year help to to their clients if they need to go into hospital if they need to go into rehab and they have nowhere for their dog or cat to go we offer a temporary foster caring scheme so that when they come out they've still got something to look forward to and their best friend is waiting for them and um and then obviously now with crisis we're doing we do this joint uh, fundraising appeal that you possibly may have seen on in in the media um you know which is helping both a homeless person and the homeless person's dog and that's a collaborative you know it's a shared campaign between our two organizations and you know that's what we'll be looking more to do in 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 2020 moving forward is working with you know these human aid organizations um working with more mental health charities working with those who work with uh, vulnerable adults and children so that we can find some sort of synergy together. That's so important. I love love everything that you guys are doing. Oh, Thank okay. you so much, Caroline. Happy holidays. I know it's a little early, but uh, the next time I see you, you'll probably be at an engagement in the new year. So enjoy. hope so, yes. Thank you very much. And uh, happy Christmas and happy new year to all the ABC fans and followers. Well, thank you so much, Caroline, for telling us a little bit more about what 2020 has in store. And if you want to read up more about the Mayhew, you can find them online at themayhew.org or on any social media platform. They have some very, very cute videos over on YouTube. And that just about wraps us up for the AirPod this week. 
I'm going to go off to home to my uh, new puppy. <laughs> All this dog talk has made me a little broody for my own. We're one week into training him at home, and uh, this is the longest I've left him. So uh, hopefully everything is okay back there. And thank you, as always, for tweeting into the show. I do read them all. If you want to get in touch, send a question. If you have a burning question about any member of the royal family, past or present, or just some protocol that you don't understand, send them into the show. Use the hashtag at the airport. Send it to myself at SCOBY on Twitter. Always looking out for it. Big thank you to New York, to Mike Dubusky and Leighton Schneider for making the show happen this week. And until the next episode, I'll see you then. (laughs) 